0: Good morning, I'm Angela, and I'll be reading today's scripture, Acts 11, verses 1 through 18. Please give your attention to the reading of God's word. Now the apostles and the brothers who were throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went to Jerusalem, the circumcision party criticized him, saying, You went to uncircumcised men and ate with them. But Peter began and explained it to them in order. I was in the city of Joppa praying and in a trance, I saw a vision, something like a great sheet descending, being let down from heaven by its four corners and it came down to me. Looking at it closely, I observed animals and beasts of prey and reptiles and birds of the air. And I heard a voice saying to me, rise, Peter, kill and eat. john baptized with water but you will be baptized with the holy spirit if then god gave the same gift to them as he gave to us when we believed in the lord jesus christ who was i that i could stand in god's way when they heard these things they fell silent and they glorified god saying then to the gentiles also god has granted repentance that leads to life amen Now let's give our full attention to the preaching of God's word.
1: Thank you, Angela. Good morning. My name is Dan. I get to serve here as the youth director at Christ Central. Thank you for joining us today for worship. And again, I hope you've had a wonderful Thanksgiving weekend, a break from work and an opportunity to share a meal with family, friends, and loved ones. Well, we pick up with our Acts series today, and one of the major themes throughout the book of Acts is this theme of the outsider coming in, one who did not belong, finding belonging with others, one who was disqualified, now accepted and welcomed. And I'm sure in our lives, we've all had moments in time when we felt like an outsider, maybe going to a new city, joining a new group, even coming to a new church, you know, what if, though, instead of being outside of a group of people, we were outside what was the greatest gift, outside of what it meant to be full, complete, whole, and fully loved in our lives? You now, So far throughout the book of Acts, the gospel, this good news of what Jesus has done, of how we find our wholeness and our completeness has been spreading amongst these Jewish people, these Jewish Christians who've heard this news. But slowly but surely, It's extending to people outside of that group, people who didn't belong before, people who were always outsiders. And in Acts 10 and 11, which we're going to be looking at today, we see that the gospel spreads definitively to a non-Jew, an outsider named Cornelius, that God uses imperfect people in unexpected ways to bring Cornelius and many others inside, belonging into his people. And we'll see today that gospel leaves no room for partiality, favoritism, man-made divisions. Nothing can stop the gospel from creating true and lasting unity among God's people. And so as we look at Acts chapter 10 and 11 today, I want to see that our God brings outsiders in. He bridges those divisions with the gospel, and that's... The message, that's a truth we want to set before, that's set before us in the book of Acts today, that God bridges divisions with the gospel. And so we'll look at Acts 10 and 11. All that's happened in three points. First, we're going to look at the dividing lines which separated us. Secondly, we're going to see how God bridges the divide before finally considering the question, who can stand in the way? The dividing lines, the bridge to that divide, and who can stand in the way? And so let's turn to our first point, the dividing lines. You see, in Acts 10, verse one through two, we're introduced to this man named Cornelius. And what we learn about him is that he was a centurion, an organizationally gifted leader in what was the most powerful army at that time. He was a capable man, knowing how to find success in his work, in his career. Respectable, one who was devout and generous to all who were around him. And on top of that, he was God-fearing. We see that he was praying in all circumstances, pursuing God. If if this was a resume given to you, this would be someone who would fit as a God-fearing leader, and yet he was an outsider. He didn't belong because he was a Gentile. Now, if you're not familiar with that phrase, what a Gentile is is someone who was not born as a Jew, born born outside of God's people, as chosen in the Old Testament. And we see from his name, Cornelius, a very Roman name, not a Jewish name. We see the group that he's in charge of, an Italian cohort, likely made of soldiers from all different places, but not from Jerusalem or from the Jewish people. You see, he was outside, born outside, associated with those outside, and to be outside meant to be excluded from God's people, from God's promises, from truly being full in his life. And so we see Cornelius here, but we're also introduced to another figure, perhaps very similar but also very different, Peter, an apostle who was one of Jesus' closest disciples. He was the representative speaker for the early Christians. In Acts 2, when the Spirit first falls upon the first Christians, Peter is there who stands up, and speaks and explains the gospel. So he was a God-fearing leader, but the difference was he was a Jew. He was born into the culture. He lived, breathed, understood what it meant to follow God's law, what it meant to submit to these cultural customs and rites. He was as in as in could be. And so we're introduced to these two figures, these two central figures, both God-fearing, but one was in and one was out because there was a dividing line in the middle of them. And that dividing line was rooted in the Old Testament distinction between those who were God's people and those who were not. Because you see, Jews were those who were first circumcised. As descendants of Abraham, God told Abraham, all you and all your descendants must be circumcised. That is the sign, that is the physical marking that you are my people, that you will receive all the blessings of nation, of land, of me being your God. You'll receive all of that. Give that sign. Not only that, but when God rescued the nation out of Egypt, out of oppression there, he gave his people laws. Don't eat these things. Eat these things. He separated clean and unclean food, not to say, okay, this unclean food's gonna make you unhealthy, it's not sanitized, you don't wanna touch that, but more so to teach his people that they are set apart They are set apart to be God's, to be reminded every time they eat, we do this because we belong to God. We belong to him and his promises. And so all these signs, circumcision and these dietary laws, they were given to make this nation distinct, but not separate. Because you see, in all those promises, God says that as I bless you, descendants of Abraham, as I bless you, Israel, you will bless the nations, your blessings will overflow and all the other nations will come to see that I am the Lord. I am the Lord who is holy and I am the Lord who is trustworthy. But you see, these distinctions oftentimes in life can lead to division. You know, we know what maybe we've had Thanksgiving this past week. Maybe you had an opportunity to meet with your family again. Maybe because you were separated by long distance, by time, by COVID, you never had the chance to reconnect. You see, these The distance between us, whether time or physical, can cause us to drift away and become divided. Or maybe Thanksgiving is a time when you have that cousin or that aunt or that other family member who you don't quite get along with. They're just too different from you. And so that distinction causes you to want to just separate from them, to be divided from them. You know we see this in family we see this in sports fans who are cheering for their team but then can easily go to bashing another team another fan of a different team you have a division between iPhone and Android one saying one is superior than the other and it's just yelling at each other across as from those simple silly illustrations to things such as race and politics these distinctions where we experience them can often lead to division and that's what happened With God's people the sign of promise the sign of blessing the sign to show and witness to the world that God is someone worth believing and following in became a sign of superiority pride and division so much so that by the time we get to our text here in Acts Jews and Gentiles were completely divided you see, in Acts 10, the Jewish leaders, including Peter himself, held this division. Acts 10, 28, Peter himself is acknowledging that it was unlawful for him to associate with anyone of another nation. Him being there was breaking the rules that they had as a culture. Acts 11:2. even when Peter goes back after this experience, the Jewish leaders, you know, the circumcision party who were likely Christians who stuck to the Old Testament law, they were saying, how could you do that? How dare you cross that line? And throughout the New Testament, we see that these Christians are trying to figure out. We've always known this one culture. That's how we've known the gospel. That's how we've received the gospels. That's how we've lived our whole life. What does it mean for someone outside? What does it mean? Does it mean that they have to assimilate into our culture in order to receive these blessings? That's how it always was in the past. If that's how it always was, then Cornelius... And probably all of us who were not born into that type of family would never be able to receive God's promises. No matter how hard we tried, no matter what we did, we would never be, receiving, be included as God's people and so the first Christians, they're really trying to figure this out. This is early in Acts. Their assumptions were so ingrained through years and years of history, years and years of living as they did, that they assumed that their fellowship would only be with those who looked like them, who ate like them, and who lived like them. But you see, the gospel is not limited by cultural assumptions. The gospel is not a call to give away and change our behaviors and customs just just do that and that you're good, but it is a call to join a community, to be part of a people radically different than any other community in the world. You see, that divide between Jew and Gentile, what God does, he bridges that divide by bringing these two leaders, both God-fearing, very different, but together, so that they, he may bridge the divide and so that goes, leads us to our second point, bridging the divide. See, God gives each of these leaders separate visions to prepare them for what he's about to do. For Cornelius, he gives him a clear vision and says, call this guy Peter. He's, he's here in this land of Joppa. Go ask for him and bring him, bring him. Notice that God is actually responding and engaging Cornelius before he was saved. God, God himself is not making that distinction, okay, once you're saved, then I'll work in your life. No, he's been working in Cornelius. He's been leading him to pray. He's been leading him to have this hunger and desire to know God more. And now he, now God wants to call Cornelius the outsider in. But in order to do that, God sends an insider out. And that insider is Peter And Peter, he was in, as I said, he was in as in could be, and he knows what the Old Testament law says. He knows what he's supposed to do according to his customs. See, in Leviticus 11, verse 46 to 47, we see this distinction between clean and unclean. In other words, clean would be what was fitting and what God allowed. Unclean would be which was not fitting, which God prohibited. And he knows this. He's lived this every day of his life. So when he gets this vision of a great sheet coming down, filled with a whole spread of animals, probably the best Thanksgiving diverse meal you could have ever asked for, you know, we might not bat an eye, but for him, this goes against everything he's known. It goes against everything he's been taught when he's commanded Peter, kill and eat. Confused, conflicted, he's like, God, I've, I've never done that before. I can't eat this. You know what you gave me. I, I can't do this. But you see, God was working in Peter. God, when God commanded him and said, what God, what God has made clean, do not call common, that response, we see that it's not just God using Peter for Cornelius' sake, but God was using Peter for Peter's sake. That God can still work in and through us, even when we don't understand what God is doing. We have many moments like that in our lives, don't we? Maybe there's missed opportunities. Maybe there's pain. Maybe there's hard decisions. Maybe we wonder, why are we in this situation in life? Why why are we doing these things when, whether it's be engaging with certain people or just patiently enduring, making hard decisions in life, and we're wondering, what is God doing? You see, for Cornelius and Peter, God didn't make it clear what he was doing. He only gave them a little bit. For Cornelius, he was just told, bring Peter. No idea what you're going to hear. No idea what he's going to say, but just bring him. And Cornelius obeyed. For Peter, he was given this vision of animals, confused right afterwards, confused when the messengers came, confused even when he met Cornelius, to the point that when he meets Cornelius, he asks him, why am I here? This is, this is the apostle, his apostle Peter, the spokesperson for, for this new Christian movement. He's asking, why am I here? See, we can't see, you can't see the impact of our actions in the moment. But when we look back, we see that in every circumstance, both good and bad, expected and unexpected, God was orchestrating something beyond what we could see, beyond our own vision, and that's the case With Peter he didn't know what God was doing he only had an incomplete picture of God's greater plan and yet Peter obeyed he laid down his presumptions crossed over that cultural line and went into Cornelius's house and once he arrives he finally makes the connection he finally makes the connection between his vision and what Jesus taught in Mark chapter 7 when Jesus taught that food was not makes you unclean It's what comes out of the heart. It's not what you're eating. It's not these divisions. It's not those things that are the main issue. The issue is the heart. Because the real divinity, because both Jews and Gentiles were marked by sin, separated from God. Both were facing God's righteous judgment and in desperate need of grace. Grace. And what Peter and his fellow Jewish Christians received in Acts chapter 2, which we saw a couple of weeks back, that same grace was now about to be poured out not just on Jews who shared the same kind of things that Peter and his friends did, but on Gentiles as well because they had the same curse of sin but are offered the same gift of grace. And that grace, that gift of grace, which crossed the line, bridging the divide between holy God and sinful humanity his name is jesus christ and as as peter says he is lord of all that's how he calls jesus lord of all in acts chapter 10 not just lord of the jews not just lord of his culture lord of his people but lord of all across generational lines across ethnic lines, across socioeconomic lines, across state lines, across country lines. He is Lord of all, which means then that same gospel offered by our Lord is also offered to all. The same good news that Jesus lived, died, and was raised for the forgiveness of our sins, that all who believe in him no longer are going to be marked by sin, No longer are going to be dragged down by their brokenness, but can have hope, can have fullness of life, can have joy as they are restored to God, who not only made all things, but sustains all things and will restore all things. You see, that gospel becomes the driving force, becomes the central mass to which then this new community, this new people of God are defined as no longer defined by physical markings, no longer defined by the food we eat, but by the gospel of Jesus Christ. All people from all different walks of life can be united together, worshiping and following one Lord and Savior as people who are free, free from sin, free from death, knowing that even when this life may end, that we have hope that God will not abandon us, but will raise us up and restore us to a better, better life. That's the gospel. And that's the thing that which marks God's people. And so if that's what God was doing, if that's what God not only poured upon the Jews, but also poured upon the Gentiles, then we have to ask finally, who can stand in the way? If God is the one doing this, who can stand in the way? Because not even Peter's words could stand in the way. As we read this account in Acts 10 and Acts 11, Peter can't even finish his sermon. <laughs> he, he starts talking, he mentions Jesus, and all of a sudden, God's like, I can't wait. Let's pour down the Spirit. It's, it's, it just falls, and is surprised. The, his fellow, fellow Jewish Christians are surprised. How is it that they're receiving the same gift that we did? Well, it's because God is bringing together these two events. Acts 2, when I poured the Spirit upon you, Peter, and your people. And now Acts 10, where I poured upon the nations. It's the validation of what Christ has done, that when Christ is preached and proclaimed, that the Spirit is working to bring people to faith of any and every nation. You see, that's why Peter in Acts 11, verse 17, he, when he recounts these events to his critics, he says, who was I that I could stand in the way? It was not my power. It's not my message. It's not my ability. But it's God working through me. God working through Peter to bridge that divide which the Gentiles experienced. And if this is truly God's work, then nothing can stand in the way. That this gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, becomes the gospel of for all nations, for all peoples, for all circumstances. See, the gospel redefines Peter's understanding of Jesus' lordship. Again, not Lord of just his people, but Lord over all people. And for all who believe, hear and believe, they're part of this new community. This new community now doesn't mean that all distinctions are obliterated. No, obviously there's still distinctions that we experience, whether you're an older person or a younger person, whether you are from a specific region or a different location, there are these distinctions that we still experience. But now in the gospel, those things don't define us. They don't divide us. But when we share this common gospel, this common good news of who Christ is for us and for our neighbor, then those distinctions can really become an expression, a celebration of the diversity that God has given. And we see that it enables us, as we see what God is doing, to then be part of that and to support and be even instruments and means to which God spreads the gospel. You see in Acts chapter 15, and a couple chapters later, uh, the, the gospel is spreading like wildfire to the Gentiles. And they're, cons- they're thinking, how do we bring these Gentiles in? Are they supposed to be like us? Like, Is it, is it cultural assimilation or but they're so different, what, what do we do? And Peter stands up, Peter stands up, and he says that they've received the same spirit without distinction. Why would we wanna make them fall into the same same kind of distinction, same rules that we were part of? Because what defines us is not the physical markings, not how we look, but in who we believe. Because God himself shows no partiality in pouring out the spirit, We too, as a community of Christ, ought to grow in what it means to show no partiality for one another here and for one another out in the world. In fact, even here on this Sunday, Communion Sunday, it's an opportunity for us to gather as families, those who are older, those who are youth students, those who maybe are visiting church for the first time or have been coming here since this church started, coming together, sharing one common bond that we believe and we worship and we celebrate our Lord Jesus Christ. And that celebration may not be perfect. Our witness may not be perfect. And we see Peter's witness was not perfect. In Galatians chapter two, even this this apostle who was there at the beginning in Acts two, here in Acts 10, Acts 15, in Galatians two, Peter himself shrunk back in fear. He pulled away. He was fearful of those who would criticize him. But what the amazing thing is, again, going back, who can stand in the way? Not even Peter's mistakes can stand in the way. Not even your mistakes can stand in the way of the gospel going forth. But instead, is an opportunity. It is an invitation to then ourselves be reminded of what the gospel is for us, and then in our weakness, in, our mom- in the unique circumstances that God places us in, we become instruments to then spread the gospel. Not to pull away, but then to pull in, to lean in, and to share, and to be reminded of this good news. And so to close, what about us today? That there's no more apostles like Peter. We may not see the spirit poured out at the sheer mention of Jesus, but that same God who shows no partiality is then inviting us to experience what that's like. And so for us, what would it look like for us as a church to live without partiality, to let the gospel be the thing which unites us? Yes, distinct and different in our own ways, but to then reach across generational lines, to reach across ethnic lines, to reach across in any circumstance in our life, knowing that Jesus is Lord over all. Even here, what would it look like for us To know the gospel, to live the gospel, so that every dividing wall that we might have would be broken down as we connect honestly, genuinely, directly with one another, worshiping together, eating together, living together. See, Peter became a bridge for the Gentiles, and as a result, many were saved. And here, it's a reminder that that same spirit is at work. And my hope and prayer for us is that even if we don't have it all figured out, they obviously did it in Acts 10 and 11, but even if we don't have it all figured out, that this one thing that we have figured out, this one gift that we've received, the gospel of Jesus Christ, would then bound us together as a community, unite us and empower us, then be bridges to one another, to be bridges for others outside, and for all to know and believe that the gospel is good news. For us to know that, for others to know that. That's my hope, that's my prayer, and that's what Acts encourages us, that God bridges, divides with the gospel. And So church, let us consider what that looks like in our own life, let's consider what that looks like here, and let's seek fervently to know the gospel more and then to experience the gospel more with one another. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gospel. God, we thank you that you showed us grace and mercy in Christ, that our salvation and unity is secured and strengthened not by how perfect we are, for Lord, we are sinful people, weak people, but in how perfect and how powerful Christ was and is. And so we ask and pray that our church would grow to know this gospel and to seek to make it known for the glory of of your name. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.